This class is part of the Lessons in Tanya project. More classes available at LessonsInTanya.com Major funding for this Tanya class is provided by the Mettel Corporation. Additional funding is provided by Tanya students like you. Lessons in Tanya The Tanya of Rabbi Schneir Zalman of Liadi Taught by Rabbi Ben-Zion Krasniansky Tanya's text elucidated by Rabbi Yosef Weinberg Essay number two, page 272. He says, examine the statement in Eitzchayim, Kabbalistic work, the teachings of the Arizal, written by a student of Chaim Vital, Shar Anakudat, Shar 8, chapter 6. And he writes there that there can be no turning of face to face except through mitzvot requiring action. What he says there is, it says when Hashem... When God created other Mechava, He created them both simultaneously, but He created them back to back. They weren't facing each other. They were back to back. Like two faces. One half was male, male, and the other half was female. Man and woman, connected at the back. Then, during the operation, Hashem separated them, separated them, gave them each their own back, and now they can face each other face to face. Now man and woman can face each other face to face. Before that, they couldn't face each other. We're back to back. Everything that happens in the physical world is a symptom of what happens, the inner dynamics, what's happening in the spiritual world, in the godly world. See, the reason why other machava were created that they should share the same back and they should be back to back, they shouldn't face each other, is because the kalipa, the negative energy, receives its sustenance from the back. Just like when a person, when you hate someone, you can't stand them, you don't want to look them in the face, but you have to deal with them. So you turn around and you throw them whatever they need. Here, take it. I don't want to see your face. I can't stand you. I hate you. But here, take, take. I have no choice. I have to deal with you. Take. And you give them exactly what they need. Not one iota more than what, what's necessary. So the life energy, when God creates the world and sustains the world, God gives existence and life and energy. And so God gives holiness with his face. That's what he desires. That's what he wants. That's what he loves. That's what he likes. Humility, egolessness, goodness, kindness, genuineness, authenticity, sincerity. That's what he loves. That's what he likes. That's what he gives face to face. (laughs) Arrogance, ego, distortion, I, exaggerated sense of I, and all the nonsense that comes with it, self-absorption, self-centeredness. This God despises and God hates arrogance. But He creates it, He sustains it, He allows for it because it's necessary. It's part of the drama of life. God needs it. In order to balance, every positive has to have a negative. 
every plus has to have a minus, to have, give us freedom of choice. So we have to have, so the forces of evil, the forces of negativity have to be sustained. It's part of the drama of life. There has to be a battle, there has to be a conflict. There are challenges, there are difficulties. And then we make the right choice and the wise choice that makes the choice meaningful. If everything was so obvious that if you did good, you were immediately rewarded and if you did something wrong, you were immediately whacked, of course everyone would be do good. I mean, there wouldn't be any contest. But Hashem created a world in which things are not obvious. Evil appears to be strong and, and mighty and self-sufficient, self-sustaining and... And the ways of the wicked are successful, so you have a choice. Should I choose righteously, righteousness, or should I choose evil? So Hashem, for that reason, and that reason alone, Hashem creates and sustains evil and negativity. But the energy that He gives the evil and negativity is like throwing it behind your back. I don't want to see your face. I can't stand you. I hate you. I despise you with every fiber of my being, every bone in my body. But I have no choice. Because it's my choice. I want it to be evil. So I have to give you. But I'm only giving you enough to do your job. Not one iota more. That's why Hashem created Adam and Chava back to back. It's only one back. They share a back. So there's no room for the evil to grow. There's no room for it to gain any more energy than, than completely necessary. However, if they're facing face-to-face and they each have a back, now Chava has a back and, uh, and Adam has a back. So now there's more opportunity for the evil to cling, to grow, and to gain even more energy. But once Adam and Chava are separated and other machava are working in the Garden of Eden and they're doing mitzvot. So that the mitzvot protect and contain the negative energy. It doesn't allow the negative energy to gain any more energy than the bare minimum. But before other machava were created, before other machava were really doing the work there was this fear or this danger that evil will gain more energy, will grow and thrive and gain more energy than was allotted to it. And that's why Hashem minimized the danger and therefore He made sure that it should only be back-to-back. They shouldn't be facing each other, it should be back-to-back. So there's only one back. As a matter of fact, all, there is, all you can see is the face. So on both sides, all you saw was a face. The back was completely concealed. So there was no room to grow any weeds or to grow anything that, that doesn't belong there. Now you have face-to-face. Now I have two backs. And in the backs, you can grow, uh, uh, you can grow things that, that don't belong there. Uh, you can have warts on the back. You can have pimples on the back. You can have things that, that, that are not healthy and not, are not part of a healthy organism and that can increase the energy of the negative forces. But now other Machava are there protecting through their service, through their mitzvot. That's how they protect and they make sure to keep 
the klipa, the klipa, ne- keep the negative energy in confined and limited. There has to be some negative energy, but it should be very confined and very limited. But before other machava were there to protect and to guard and to watch, there was this danger that the negativity would just flourish and grow. And that's why Hashem minimized that, and that's why they were back-to-back. So that, that's what the Eitz Chaim, Eitz Chaim says. Because once other Mechava were separated, and now it's really the only ones who can add energy to the Klippa, it's only us. We are the only ones who can add en- energy, negative energy. If we do the right thing, then we starve the Klippa. Klippa has no, has no one to hold on to. There's nothing to grab on to. If we are robust and we are healthy, there's no room for disease or negativity to hold on to. You're so healthy and you're so vibrant and you're so alive and dynamic and energetic. There's no room. If we are weak, our immune systems are down, we're weak, we're not doing the mitzvah, or God forbid we're doing something wrong, we increase the energy. You know, we add to the energy. You know, just to use a very simple analogy, it's like if we, you know, a, a city has to have a police force and a, draw, and a court system and judges and a whole system to penalize those who need to be penalized. There's a whole system of justice, of courts, of police, of jails. How big does the system have to be? Could be minimum. If everyone in town is law-abiding <laughs> and everyone is decent and everyone is busy leading a productive life and wholesome, the police have nothing to do. They can twiddle their thumbs. They can be busy giving out uh, car tickets all day. <laughs> There's nothing else to do. There's no crimes, there's no murder, there's no rapes, there's no burglaries, there's nothing to do. The courts are quiet, the jails are empty. You can cut down. You have, you have minimum. You have, okay, you need a sheriff, you need a policeman, you need a judge, but they're, they're not busy. But if we commit crime, we blow up the whole system. Suddenly the police force has to grow and suddenly you need more judges and suddenly you need more jails and you need more, 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 more penalties handed out and punishments. So we create it, we sustain it, or we shrink it to the bare minimum. It could be a token. You can have a token uh, policeman and a token... Uh, and you don't need anything. In the, in the shtetl, I don't know if they had a policeman. The shtetl was violent free. The biggest nincompoop was a nudnik, but that's about it. It wasn't a crime, and he didn't send them to jail for being a nudnik. <laughs> but it was harmless. It was violent free. There was no violence. So we create, or we sustain, or we shrink it. So it all depends on us. So once Adam and Chava were functional, then Hashem says, now it's in your hands. So now I'm not afraid. I'm giving you the tools that you can make sure that the clipper, the negative energy, will shrink and will just be the bare minimum. Just to be there, that's it. But you don't have to create it, sustain it, inflate it. 
it's up to you. You do mitzvot. You chop it up at, at its core. You do mitzvot. It has nowhere to, nowhere to nourish, nowhere to nash from. It has nothing, nothing to nash from. If you're robust and vibrant and healthy, there's no room for disease to take roots. Your body is too healthy. It just, it just slides right out. It just has nothing to hold on to. But if you're weak, and you're not eating properly, and you're not exercising properly, and you're, you're this and that and the other, and the whole system is weak, that's when all the parasites find find place to hold on to, grab, grab on to. So that's the back. The back is the least life. Where there's life, there's no room for them to grab on to. But the back, which is the least life, and it's just the skin, and it's just the least life, that's where they can leech onto and grab onto and that's where they start start their growth but it's up to us to keep ourselves robust and through the mitzvot we cut them off at the knee chop them off at the knee cut them off at the knee and we just make sure that there's no room for growth okay. that's basically what the Eitz Chaim says the next side had previously discussed the stage of creation at which a bracket of six zero known collectively as za za is the male and malchut is the female and the sefira of malchut the first emanating and revealed in the world of tzivu from kachman bina their spiritual parents adam had not yet been created and hence the avoda of fulfilling mitzvah did not yet exist at this stage if za and malchut had united face to face there would be an effusion of divine energy from the innermost aspect of za to the innermost aspect of Malchut. This, however, would enable the Klippot to receive more than their due share of life-giving influence from the source of holiness. The union was therefore merely back-to-back, i.e. only the external aspect of Zah was drawn down to Malchut. Only after Adam was created and performed mitzvot, effectively trimming and hacking off the thorns, i.e. limiting the nurture of Klippot, could Zah and Malchut be united face-to-face. In other words, divinity can be revealed within this world without any nurture being illegitimately diverted to the klipa, only by means of mitzvah, whose performance entails an actual deed. So he says, in the beginning, the fact that Adam and Chava were back-to-back, not facing each other, and shared the same back, it's because the divine male, which is Zah, the attributes, the emotional attributes, and the, f- the feminine, the female attribute, divine attribute, which is malchut, which is enclosed in this world, and Zah is more removed from this world, they were also receiving their life sustenance back to back from, from their parents, which is the wisdom and understanding. They were receiving the most external aspect of wisdom and understanding so it was like from back to back, from the external level of wisdom and understanding to the external level of Zah and Malchus. So it was a very limited energy. Because Hashem did not want to draw down this deeper energy, this internal energy. Because the fear was that the Klippa would nash from this energy. Because where does Klippa... Where does the negative forces, negative energy, get their life force from? From the more energy there is, that's what they go after. What are they attracted to? They're attracted to where there's energy, where there's life. 
you know, the food sitting on the shelves in the supermarket for years, and you'll never see a worm, they don't go to it because they're not attracted to it because it's not food. They look like food, taste like food. It's pure chemical garbage, not food. Anything that can sit on a shelf for months and years. Twinkies. What? Twinkies. Twinkies, right. Maybe it has a 0.1% of some genuine, genuine ingredient buried there somewhere. Um, organic food doesn't last longer than a day or two or three. It's it rots worse. very fast because it's real food. That's where the worms go after. You know, someone said, my grandmother said, I only eat food that worms eat. If worms don't eat it, they're smart enough. They know it's not food. They look like food, taste like food. Where does Clipper go after? Where does the negative energy, where do they go after? They go after where there's energy, where there's holiness, where there's life. Life could only come from the source of life, Hashem, where there's an abundance of life. That's where they go after. They go after the Jew. The Jew is overflowing with holiness, with life. That's why they all attracted to the Jew. They have to get that energy, that life. So if Hashem, there would have been an overflow of energy, an abundance of energy from the innermost aspect of wisdom and understanding to the innermost aspect of, of Zah and Malchus, the, 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 like the equivalent of Adam and Chava, it would have been this abundance of energy that would have been flowing and revealed into this world, rivers of energy, and the Klippa, the parasites would all gang up to try to get from that energy, gain and notch off that energy. That's why Hashem created, in the beginning, He created them back to back, which means that other Mechava in the divine realm were receiving their energy from the most external part. So it was a very limited energy. Limited energy, there's not too much to Nashan, there's not too much to, to uh, siphon off. Not enough energy to siphon off. There's not, there's not very little in the first place. There's nothing extra to, to grab onto, to grab hold of. But once Adam Mechava, once Hashem separated them, and He created them. He separated them at their creation. And they became the caretakers, and they did the work and the service in the Garden of Eden, kept the mitzvah. Now we can have this abundant flow of energy from the innermost aspect of wisdom and understanding to the innermost aspect of Zah and Malchut, of the masculine, divine masculine and divine feminine attributes. And even though now there are rivers and rivers of energy, there's an abundance of energy, and there is the danger that this energy will be siphoned off and utilized improperly to energize the negative, Yes, there is that danger, but now we have other Machava who are guarding, who are protecting. They were in Ganadin Love the Lashamra to protect it. Protect it precisely from this possibility. To make sure that this, this shouldn't happen. How do they protect it? Through mitzvah. By physically doing the mitzvah. By physically doing the mitzvah, the physical mitzvah, the deed, the action, physically doing the mitzvah, taking this world and doing a mitzvah with it. This is how you protect. And you cut them off at the knees. You cut off this, this mafia at the knees and you stop this negative that it can't advance and it can't gnash off or siphon off even one iota of this extra energy, abundant energy. And all this energy will go exclusively towards holiness to enliven the holiness and the clipper will just shrivel up 
and just be the, be, be the bare minimum. Just like when Hashem created it, to just have the bare minimum just to give us that freedom of choice, just enough to be able to challenge us, but not, not anymore. So it shouldn't thrive and, and flourish. The reason for this, as given there on this Chayim, is that by means of good deeds, one brings about a supernal union causing Zal Malchot to turn face to face. Now, why only mitzvot involving action? Why can the same result not be brought about by mitzvot fulfilled by thought and speech? So the Eitz Chayim specifically says that this is only through mitzvot, physical mitzvot, that involve deed, physical. You have to physically do the mitzvot. Not thinking. Thought is not enough. Meditation is not enough. It has to be physical. The question is why? Why does it have to be physical? It should be through any mitzvah. A mitzvah that engages my mind or a mitzvah that engages my thought. Why? why only the f- only way to stop the klipa is only through the physical mitzvah. Why is that? This may be understood oh. in the light of what is written in this Chayim Sha'aman Umar. The first before the supernal union takes place, there must be an elevation of Mayan Yuvin, an arousal initiated by the recipient from the Nukva, the feminine element of Zav is Bakut. And the Mayan Nukhin of Nukva is the state of action as explained there in chapter one. This is the analogy that Kabbalah uses. There's the feminine waters and the masculine waters. So it's like in a relationship. So first the male has to be seduced, she has to be interested. If she has no interest, <laughs> nothing happens. She is interested. She has the power to awaken and arouse a response from within him, the masculine. So there's the feminine energy. That's an arousal from below, from the receiver, that awakens and instigates and awakens the, the masculine waters, the response from, from, from the male. So too, in order to awaken a divine response, there first has to be an arousal from below. What is the arousal from below? Action. Action. Because the action involves the physical world. You're taking an esterig, which is a citrus fruit, something physical. You're taking a lulav, a palm branch, it's physical. You're taking matzah, it's wheat, it's physical. You're taking tefillin, it's leather hide. You have to take something of this physical world. When you take something of this physical world, a mezuzah, that's a parchment, you take something of the physical world and you do a mitzvah with it. You light a candle, a physical candle, you're doing something physical, you give tzedakah, you're taking a coin, you're taking, doing something physical and helping someone, taking food and feeding someone. When you're doing a, something physical, you're taking something of this world, this has the power to stir up and to awaken a response. But if there's no, if you don't involve the physical world, there's nothing, there's no, nothing from below, then there's no response from above. Because that's how Hashem created the world. Once He created Adam, before He created Adam, it was a one-way street. Hashem created the world on His own. There was no one there to arouse, to awaken Hashem. Hashem created it on His own. But once Adam was created, from that point on, everything has to start from here. From here below. We are in the engine room. We are in the driver's seat. That's why Rosh Hashanah. When do we celebrate Rosh Hashanah? Not the first day of creation. Sixth day of creation. When Adam was created. Why? We're celebrating creation. It should be the first day. And what do we say in the prayers of Rosh Hashanah? This day, the sixth day, is the beginning of your action.
beginning of your creation. The beginning is day number six. What do you mean it's the beginning of creation? But what happened then at the beginning of creation, when Hashem on His own decided to create the world and wanted to create the world and had a desire to create the world, once Adam was created, in order to re to re-experience that same desire in order to achieve that same desire. Every year, the Hebrew word for, for year is shana, which comes from the word shoneh. Every year repeats itself. So Hashem has to recreate that desire once again, desire and choose to create the world once again, all over again. That happens now on the sixth day of creation. What happened then on the first day of creation, God on His own did it. Now, it's in our hands. It's up to us. We blow the shofar. And we accept upon ourselves Hashem's sovereignty. We can awaken and arouse within Hashem the desire and the will to create a world, the pleasure to create a world. So it all, all depends on us in this world, the physical. So it's only when we do something in the physical world, that's the feminine waters that's, that could arouse and awaken a response from Hashem. In other words, the things of this world, the source, the Sifriya of Malchut, which is the Nukva of Zah, must be elevated to the source of holiness. This can be accomplished only from this vote whose fulfillment requires actions performed with the eternal components of the world. This alone makes possible this eternal union which reveals divinity within this world. But how can it be ensured that no part of this revelation will be released to the sheep vote because Pizzonim, literally extraneous forces. Good deeds are described as trimming and hacking off the thistles that attach themselves to the hind part, which is in the, in the state of deed, as written in Eitzchayim. It is the performance of specifically these commandments that hacks away the klipot, which, like the unchecked roots of thistles or weeds in the vineyard, would otherwise encroach on the life-giving waters and divert them from the intended destination. He says, in order to, to create a union between the male and the female, in, in order for there to be a new divine flow of energy, a new transmission from the male to the female, in other words, that there should be a new revelation of godliness in this world, because this world is created through the divine feminine energy, the Shekhinah, which is enclosed in this world. So in order to reveal, there should be a new revelation of godliness in this world, which he calls a union, like of a male and female, a new, a new revelation, a birth, give birth to something new. In this world, it's only when first there is the elevation of the feminine waters, also something from this world, something that was created in this world through the Shekhinah, through the divine feminine energy. So when we take something physical of this world and we do a mitzvah with it, this stirs and this instigates and this evokes a response, a powerful new flow of divine energy from the masculine divine aspect to the feminine divine aspect, and there's a new revelation in this world. But now that you have this new divine revelation in this world, you have this new abundant flow of energy, how do we protect and make sure that none of this energy is siphoned off and misused, abused and misused? 
to inflate the negative forces? How do we know, how do we keep it strictly flowing towards holiness? So he says that the actions, the good deeds, also act as a trimmer. They trim. They trim the, these, uh, like when you cut, when you trim a tree, bushes, you have to trim the, the uh, thorns, anything that can get in the way. Otherwise, the thorns can take over the tree and all the life energy of the tree will go to grow the thorns and it'll kill the fruits. So you have to nip it in the bud. You have to cut it right at the source and cut it out and make sure that remove all foreign things that don't belong there. Make sure that everything flows properly. You want to make sure that there's no cancer growth, there's no other types of growth. The only growth that's in the body is things that are wholesome and healthy and things that belong there, not anything that, God forbid, will just clog the system and, and destroy you. So the mitzvot also act as, as a hacking and a trimming. It cuts off and anything, all these thistles and all these extraneous things, they try to attach themselves to the hind part. This pruning is effective by elevating the element of good that is concealed in them in things of this world that are related to Asiya and that is enclosed in mitzvot of action. Elevating this element of good to its source, to the sanctity of Atzimut that has already been refined, the performance of practical mitzvot thus makes possible the purification and elevation of those physical things that are in need of this by extracting the element of good that is within them and elevating it to holiness. So by elevating the physical, elevating the good, of, the good inside the physical. When you do a mitzvah with a physical object, you elevate it to its ultimate root, to the level, to its source, the level of atzilut which is only good. There's no room for anything negative. There's no room for any negative growth. When you clarify and you're able to separate the good from the bad and you're able to take the good and reconnect it to its source of purity and holiness, then there's no room for the negative energy uh, there's nowhere to hold on. They have nowhere to grab onto. Everything becomes pure and holy. It's very cryptic, very Kabbalistic. You know, to say we understand electricity, no. But we can. We know what electricity does. We know you put your hand in your socket, you will get electrocuted, whether you understand it or not, whether you agree with it or not. The Kabbalah is telling us, telling us like it is, whether you understand or not, or agree 100%, it doesn't change the reality. These are the facts. When you do mitzvot, you're elevating the, the physical object, you're elevating all the good inside this physical object, the spark, you're elevating it back to its source, the level of atzilut, which is 100% pure, clear and there's no room for any negativity so there's nowhere to grab on 
You don't even have acharayim. You don't even have the back to grab onto because everything, everything is 100%. And everything is 100%. It's 100%. That's it. But only through mitzvah. Only mitzvah have the power to take something of this physical world which is really dark and concealed and hidden and materialistic and dense and to bring it back to the level of holiness to the level of holiness of Atsilas, which is godly and 100% godly once you've taken this world and you clarify it and brought it back to its root and its source and it's 100% godly then there's no room there's no room there's no, nothing to grab onto there's nothing to hold onto it's too slippery there's, the negativity has nothing to hold onto been totally clarified and separated and elevated to its root, to its source. It could only grab onto through the back when things are hidden, things are concealed, things are confused, things are not clear. Then it can hold on to. When things are crystal clear and everything is clarified, once it's clarified, there's no room. There's no room for nonsense. There's no room for distortions. There's no room for negativity. There's no room. There's nothing to hold on to. Everything is crystal clear. So that's the power of the mitzvah, the physical mitzvah. By taking the physical, which is shredded in darkness and confusion. That's the nature of the physical world. It's hidden, it's concealed, it's dense, it's, it's, it's limited. And when you take, by doing a mitzvah with it, you elevate it to holiness. No more darkness. There's no more confusion. There's nothing to hold on to. As to the statement there that Adam as well, which would not appear to be a mitzvah requiring. Here he said the only way, the only way to cut off, not to feed the negative energy is through action, deeds, mitzvah, active mitzvah. When he says there that you can also accomplish this through prayer. Prayer is spiritual. Prayer substitutes sacrifices. Sacrifices are physical. Sacrifices are mitzvah. We don't have sacrifices today. All we have are prayers, which are purely spiritual. You said that we can accomplish it through spiritual. This means that he did so through ordering the letters of speech, not through the intent of prayer but by the actual deed involved. For the movement of one's lips is also being a deed. So the Talmud says that speaking involves something physical. You're moving your lips. Your lips are physical. It's not thinking. You're not meditating. You don't fulfill the obligation of prayer by meditating and thinking. You have to move your lips and say, Shema Yisrael. You have to say the words. If you don't say the words... You have not fulfilled your obligation. Precisely, because it has to be physical. In order for prayer to be effective, in order for it to accomplish what it needs to accomplish, it has to be physical. So it's only by, when he says that through prayer you also accomplish the same thing. You cut off the life source of the, or you limit the life source of the negative forces through prayer. He doesn't, he doesn't mean meditation. He means physically moving, moving your lips. The day these utterances derive from the vivifying soul, which is in one's body and blood, whose root and life force is in Klippa Noga. 
As the Alter Rebbe explains in chapter 37 of Tanya, one's godly soul is incapable of uttering the words of Torah or prayer, which have to be sounded with the physical mouth, tongue, and teeth, except through the agency of the vivifying soul that is invested in the body. We see from the above that uttering the words of prayer can also elevate man from the nukva of Asiya, just as is done by the practical mitzvah. So he explains in chapter 37 that when you speak, where do you get the energy to speak? All the food that you ate. You don't just, if you don't eat, you're too weak to speak. So if you have the energy to speak, that energy comes from all the food that you ate. So when you're moving your lips with the energy of all the food that you ate, you're elevating. All that food now is being elevated. Because it's that energy that's giving you the strength to speak. And that's the difference between speech and thought. Even if a person has no energy. You know, people in the concentration camp, they, 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 they didn't even have the energy to open the lips, to open their mouth. They were so drained within an ounce of their life. But you can still think. Because thought comes from your neshama. Your neshama is your neshama. It doesn't grow weaker. I have my neshama. But your body grows weak. When your body grows so weak, you don't have the strength to even move your lips, to even say a word. You can still think, but you can't speak. Because speech comes from external. Thought comes from within. comes from within. But in order to achieve what the mitzvah has to achieve, it can only come from the external world. So if it's just thought, if it's just a mitzvah that involves your thought, if it's just pure thought and pure meditation without moving your lips, you're not involving the external world. You're not involving the material world. So you can't evoke a response from above. You're not, there's no elevation. There's nothing from below. There's no, you don't have the feminine waters that can evoke and inspire a response from above. So you can't draw down this, 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 this energy. You can't affect that union between the masculine and the feminine to draw down a new energy, a new life, a new life force, a new energy, a new revelation. So thought doesn't accomplish anything. It's only through speech, when you physically move your lips, which comes from the energy and the strength from the external world, from the food that you're eating outside of yourself. When you physically move your lips, then you elevate the world. And that could affect, on high, that can evoke a powerful response, a new transmission, a new energy, a new revelation, a new union. You see, this is Alter Rebbe's notes that he wrote for himself. Very cryptic, very brief. very powerful points bringing out the specialness of action of the deed why in Judaism unlike all other religions they emphasize the heart as long as you love emphasize the idea the consciousness or the meditation or the spirituality comes along Judaism and says no it's the action it's the deed <laughs> that's what matters most that's what makes all the difference
This is what creates the change. This is what creates the union. This is what draws down new energy. This is what creates new realities. And this is what protects us also. Protects us from this new energy, this new flow of energy being diverted in any negative way. That all this energy should flow 100% towards holiness. You know, but Klippa only gets its energy from the back. Paro. We start reading about Paro in this week's Torah portion. Paro, if you turn the letters around, it's Orif, the back. Paro could only get his life force from the back. Negative. Negative energies can only get its life flow from the back. If a Jew faces Hashem with his back, like the Navi complains, the prophet complains in the name of Hashem. Panu Eli, the Jewish people turn to me, Orif, with their back. It seems like a contradiction in terms. They're turning to me, but with their back. Meaning, they're turning to me. They're doing what I'm asking of them. They're doing the right thing, but with their back. There's no interest. There's no desire. There's no love. It's like a duty, an obligation. Something I have to do. I have to pay income taxes. I've got to take care of my duties, my responsibilities. I'm reliable. I'll take care of my duties. I'm not going to go to jail. But that's about it. But Hashem says they're turning to me. They're doing everything I'm asking them to do. But they're turning their backs. Not their face. They're not interested. They don't really care. They have no real interest. It's, it's like a, an obligation. Not a joy and a pleasure. So they're turning to me, but they're turning to me with their back. When a Jew turns to Hashem with his back, we empower the paro. We empower the negative forces, negative energy. That's where the negative energy gets all its life from, the back. If a Jew would face and turn to Hashem with his face, face to face, there wouldn't be any, there's no weird, there's no place for the negativity to grab hold of. There's nowhere to hold on to. So we allow for all that negativity. Because we turn now back to Hashem. And it's up to us. We turn our face to Hashem. Then Klippa would wither away. It would have nowhere to grab onto. But the Rebbe says in Tanya, what was plan A? What was Hashem's plan A? How do, how do we bring Mashiach? If every Jew in the world fulfilled the 613 mitzvah, if every Jew in the world f- uh, would think like a Jew, speak like a Jew, and act like a Jew 24-7, then the negative energy would have nowhere to grab onto. They have nowhere to grab onto. It would wither away. It would die. Finish. That would be the end of negativity, the end of Kalipa, the end of darkness, the end of chaos, the end of confusion. 
and the world will be filled with the knowledge of Hashem and Mashiach would come the world will be flooded with holiness wholesomeness so we empower when we turn our back to Hashem we empower all this negativity all this confusion all this darkness and distortion and crooked thinking because we don't have clarity if we had clarity and strength and action to back it up it's a, it's a winning combination nothing would stop us nothing could stop us Shiach comes in a second I come today famous story in the Gemara in the Talmud he met Mashiach he asked when are you coming he says today the day passed and he didn't come next time he sees him Mashiach he lied to me you said today Mashiach said yes I quoted to you the verse the verse says Hayoim la Today, when you act, if you would do the mitzvah, if you will listen, if you will listen to my voice, then I would come. I would come right away. There's nothing stopping us. If we listen to Hashem's voice, and we follow the Torah, and we follow the mitzvah, and we did it face to face, our heart was into it, in it, our mind was focused and concentrated. This is our desire, our pleasure. This is who we really are. This is what we really want, truly desire and truly want. Negativity would shrivel up in a second. It has nothing to hold on to. As it is, it's a bubble. That's all it is. It's, a, it's fake news. It's fake reality. There's no reality to it. It's a bubble. What happened to communism? Poof, as if it never happened. Millions of people believed in it. Hundreds of millions of people, tens of millions of people died for it. As if it never happened. As if it was a cosmic joke. What happened to fascism? As if it never happened. All these false isms. Poof. It's a bubble. It's fake news. It's fake reality. There's no reality to it. We empower it. When we are not thinking like a Jew, speaking like a Jew, acting like a Jew. And even if we are turning to Hashem, but we turn to Hashem with our back, it's not genuine, it's not sincere, it's not heartfelt, it's not whole. Then we empower this bubble. But it's very easy to pop the bubble. That's all it is, is a bubble. There's no substance. There's no reality to it. It's delusions. It's a Hollywood hype. Madison Avenue hype. Nothing. Nothing there. So it's really in our hands. That's what he says. Hashem says it's in Adam and Chava's hands, in your hands. If you're doing the mitzvot, the world can overflow with energy and life and blessings and abundance of energy and I'm not afraid that this energy will be dissipated. But if we don't guard ourselves, then Hashem says, wait a minute. I can't give you all these blessings because it's going to make you arrogant. 
And all this energy is just going to go to waste. And, it's, and it's, not only will it go to waste, it'll be counterproductive. It'll make you arrogant. All these blessings will just make you arrogant. Impossible. All you're going to do is empower this bubble, this inflated... So, there's a risk to give a surge of energy and a surge of blessings and a surge of powerful energies, new energies, new flow, new blessings, new life. Have to make sure you can guard it, that you're going to channel it in the right way, that all of it is going to be used in a wholesome way, 100%. If you turn to me with your face to face, and you turn to me, and we do the mitzvah, the physical mitzvah, we act and speak properly, and do the mitzvah, then this will guarantee this will cause the flow of energy and this will guarantee will cut out prune all the weeds and all the thistles and the thorns and all there won't be any place to grab on to be continued this class is part of the lessons in tanya project more classes available at lessonsintanya.com